So where to begin this morning? Um, We are going to be looking at the bell ringing probably here in like 15 minutes. Um, So we're not going to make a ton of progress. Um, I was hoping that we would um, be able to make it um, towards the end of chapter 9 and um, maybe a couple of verses into chapter 10 this morning in Romans, but that's... um, uh, I, I realized that even if we had a full-length class, that was a stretch. So um, we, this may be the dry run for the <laughs> for the next time that we get together. Um, so w- I'm gonna I'm gonna plan it as as such that this is y'all are getting like the first draft, and then next time we'll get the the full thing. So last time that we were together, we looked at several verses in Exodus. From Exodus chapter 3 uh, all the way through Exodus chapter 14. And we just kind of rapid fire went through um, the various places where uh, we see this idea of Pharaoh being hardened, Pharaoh hardening his heart, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. um, Kind of to set the stage for where we're going to be uh, today as we kind of... Uh, start pressing more into this um, in Romans chapter 9, this idea of God being merciful to who he will and God hardening whomever he He wills. Um, one of the reasons that uh, I spent so much time last week um, specifically looking at the way that Paul addresses the opening of, of the book of Romans where, where he kind of speaks of God giving them up, God giving them up, God giving them up. And what happens when God gives us up? Do we become better people? No. What happens to us? We're hardened in, in who we are. Right? God does not have to make us something else to go on doing evil, right? To be headstrong against Him. He just lets us continue in, right? And then if He withdraws from us, we find ourselves as individuals, we find ourselves as communities of individuals, as nations, um, growing harder against Him. Um, and I, I, I do that so that. When we think about this hardening that is spoken of when we um, see Paul addressing this hardening of Pharaoh, uh, that we don't think to ourselves and that there's no room for us to think to ourselves that God is anything less than good, righteous, holy, merciful, gracious, like full of kindness and love, that there's no room for that. But, I ask you this question, who is free? Is God free? Is, of, of all beings in existence, who is most free to do as they will? We, I, I want that to be a, a clear distinction for us, right? When we think about freedom... God is the pinnacle of free. You and I, though we act and move and though we are responsible, are so much less free than He, then it is not just 
it's it's of another type, right? He is another type of free. And we can we can spend untold amounts of time digging into how con- confined and contained and restricted that we are. Like, you're bound by the laws of physics such that your will cannot push against them. You might wish to stand in front of an 18-wheeler and stop it with your mind and your might, but the laws of physics will not allow it. You are not free there. Your will is contained and confined by who you are, by your desires. You act in accordance with your desires. To do other than what you would desire, you would... You would... Consider that to be a negative thing. Who amongst you does not do what they desire? You do only what you desire. Even if that thing that you desire will cause you nothing but destruction. When Scripture says that no one seeks after God... No one seeks because no one desires. And as free as you feel, you do not act contrary to your nature. You do not. None of us act contrary to our nature. This is for us a fundamental flaw there was a requirement for you you, who in here seeks God you do now okay so like you do now but not until He sought you out, right? If if God had not taken on flesh and shown us and opened our eyes, drawn us to Him, then all of us would have gone astray. Had He not been merciful to you or I, we would continue going astray. All of human history mounts up as evidence in this direction. All of human history. We did not seek God. He sought us. Though He did not need us, Though He's not made complete in us, 
He sought us. And He worked all of human history out so that He would be glorified in this, in the cross of Christ, in the resurrection of Christ. So when we think about God hardening and God being merciful, let us not think that He made Pharaoh in that or that He makes the one who's hardened in that something they are not. That's not what takes place when God hardens. They're just solidified more in who they are. Right? And I, again, why this is probably going to be a dry run is because there's, a, there's a, a thing that's taking place in this argument that Paul's laying out that we're probably not going to have time today to get deep into. But... In your own personal time, as you spend time in this, please don't just read and hit the hard text and then like stop. Read through. Look where he's going. Look where he's pressing into, right? He's pressing into the latter part of chapter 9. That is a righteousness that is by faith, right? So when we, the thing that, that makes this text difficult, the thing that brings this oftentimes divide into, into two major camps here, I think oftentimes is because we focus on these minutiae instead of this high-level picture that he's trying to prove to us that it is not, verse 6 of chapter 9, it is not as though the Word of God has failed. This is the point that he's pressing into. And then we can go headlong into that, but we get into this thick mud that is where we're at currently, that our minds fix there. We get stuck there. Instead of looking forward to where he's pushing into, and unfortunately because of time, we're just not going to be able to make that argument um, fully and complete today. So we'll get as far as we can, and then we'll just kind of start here again um, the next time that we get together, and um, we'll, we'll just hopefully have a little bit more time to press on fully into this. So Paul here, um, digging into this argument um, in, ver in the latter part of verse, what is it, um, 11 here, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger, as is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. We, we dug into that, verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice in God? So this is part of this unraveling of questions that Paul's doing, that he starts kind of pulling back in um, in, in the latter part of, of chapter 9, right? So is there any injustice on God's part? By no means. He doesn't let us linger in that thought. He, he points out quickly that there is no injustice in God. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 18 here. So then, he has mercy on whoever, on whoever he wills and he hardens whoever he wills. Is this a true statement? Am I, is like, 
Verse 18. I'm going to read I'm going to read it again. Let's not just like jump over it, but let's think about this and let's ask ourselves is this true? So then he has mercy on whoever he wills. Has he had mercy on you? Did he will to have mercy on you? Do you find yourself humbled by this reality? The more that we understand the state that we were in prior to Him, the more this kind of reality humbles us versus makes us haughty. There's no room for like high-mindedness in this. The reality that He had mercy on me while I was not seeking Him, while oftentimes even now I seek my own way, I'm probably not alone in that. He continues to have mercy on me. And he hardens whomever he wills. Is this true? Is he free to do this? Is he? Like, was he right to harden Pharaoh. Was he right? If he's holy in all things, if there's no unrighteousness in him, if he's free to act in accordance with his character, you're free to act in accordance with your character. The problem is, is Prior to Christ, you seek not God, but yourself. And he's loving in the hardening. That's what I've been studying. He's loving in that. Yes. Because many, many people saw his power in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. He went to Pharaoh ten times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he just walked up and said, I'm going to harden your heart. Yeah. I mean, he sent Moses time and time and time again. You know, and that's what we forget a lot of times when people get hardened like that. Not that they were not told the word, they were not not explained to them. They just hardened their heart towards it, and then God just gave them the rescue mind and said, "I'm stepping away." Yes. And God's God's free to do this, right? God, there is no requirement on the part of God to be merciful to Pharaoh. There is none. When Pharaoh rebelled, as as when we rebel. When we rebelled in Adam, he was in no way obligated to show mercy to any of us. The amazing thing is that he did. That he did not treat all of us as he's treated Pharaoh. Because he could have. He was free to do that. But that's not the story that we see. There are some that he shows great mercy to. And in this is in the destruction of Pharaoh, in the destruction of Egypt, we see just how merciful he was to Israel. Right? Could we be seeing this played out today in our world? Yes. Yes. This this plays out in every generation. In every generation.
people necessarily as a whole, right? In scripture, I'm just saying as far as we look in scripture. But what we're talking yeah. about is is this is this a state we're talking about of the heart that has been brought out, like uh, as you were talking about the other day. The withdrawing of God's presence from that person yeah. is the natural state because we're in birth, like we're kind of reaching the yeah. death if we do that. But is this a is this a special moment, like son of perdition, or is this a, or like I'm I'm trying yeah. to be specific? Is this a specific moment, a specific choosing of Pharaoh as pardoned? Like is it is it is it distinct in history? Right, like yeah. I'm trying, I'm yeah. Yeah. Like, is this is this something that is the natural state? We wanna we wanna read into this as is this an individual? Yeah. Issue, or is this corporate mankind, humankind as a whole? Yeah. Is that is that even asked right? Yeah. I, so. I see where I'm going. So the the blanket statement over all mankind is that no one seeks God. Unless God seeks us as as first mover, right? We don't we don't seek Him in the state that we're born in. That there's a reason that like faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the word about Christ. And this is that's in this run, like that's in the run that we're that we're going into right now. Is that the world? apart from Christ, is, it's, is in some gradient of hardness. Like, the world is not as bad as it could be had God further draw back. But the world couldn't be better. And, and, I, and, I, and I will say that, like, the movement here is, the, is God in His people, in the church, in the world. That God moves in now through His people, and the y'all may not y'all may not. We're salt and light. Is that the concept? Like as we're salt and light, we do make the world better. Yes. Just by being here and with the presence of God. Yes. So God moves in us. We move in the world. Now I don't. I'm not of the opinion that the world continues getting worse. Okay. Um, I think that. If we are God's people, and if God is reaching all the nations through us, then we ought to expect the places that the church is to grow in light. Now, there are going to be times in history that that ebbs and flows because we are at war. Um, but the victory ultimate is won, and we fight from that place of victory. We bring this light through God working in us as his people into the world. The world at large benefits from the existence of the church in it. I think this is another thing that we see throughout history. So as God moves in us in his bride, he's also in that showing a grace to the world so that the world can... In, in a sense, benefit from the church being present. Even those who are lost benefit from the moral impact that the church ought to bring into the places that it is. But that God is, in all times, 
working in a way that constrains the evil of mankind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that ultimately, one way that God moves in in the sense of uh, in the sense of like impacting cultures is moving into in and through His church. I think that God we see in we see in the opening of Romans this God gave them up, and the result of that God gave them up. I think that there is this that. We see, and this is big, big scale of history. We see what it is like when nations, as as a whole, seem to be like, "Well, you were on track." Israel does this oftentimes, where it's like a a, a drawing close to God, and then things seem to get better, and then God pulls away and. It, it is though the the wheels fall off. I think this is a this is a a mechanism that God has in in a constraining sense. That if God were to completely and fully give us that, like we look at Satan and we're like, man, that's evil. Less less if God completely withdraw from humanity, like we're inventors of evil as well, right? Um, yet God is kind and merciful in that He does not completely withdraw at all times and all places. But we do see this like ebbing and flowing, God using His freedom. And specifically we see it with Pharaoh here, very much in a special way, right? Like, but... Yes. Yes, like like son of perdition and Satan ends up becoming kind of a spectacle in the in the scheme in the big picture of yeah history. And maybe even the shadow like, of an antichrist. Yeah, you know, so he is an antichrist if you think about it. Yeah, for sure, definitely like a like a type looking looking forward, and I think. This is not the this is not the first time that God has moved in this way, and from the time of Pharaoh to today, it was no doubt the last time. The the so one of the questions that flows from this, and so I think that yes, most certainly there's this high level Pharaoh as a figurehead of Egypt. I don't think that we can necessarily. Um, completely separate this idea of him being a figurehead in this very specific moment in history and completely withdraw ourselves from the hard question of what it is that he hardens him but or like the idea of like did he make pharaoh a puppet in this or what freedom did pharaoh have to resist the will of god because that's where paul goes very next in the text right and one of the reasons that I that I want to point out ahead of time this this 
idea of hardening that is, in a, that is a passive sense of hardening, where God's drawing away, is because the point that Paul goes to, he's laid the groundwork in Romans for this dr- drawing back type of hardening. But he has no time or patience in this laying out of this bigger argument of can God fail? He has no time and no patience for the one that would say, we're just all puppets. You can't blame me for sin. He has none at all. Like, like he goes from this like gently working your heart to understand these difficulties to being like, who are you? Because that's the, the heart that comes that we have to be careful with is that when we see God exercising His freedom, who could resist Him? Who could? Who could resist Him? Right? If the all-powerful Creator who holds you in existence today had His heart set on you for destruction, what's coming for you? Who will save you from Him? That's scary. That's... Yeah. Yeah. All scripture of making dry bones have yes. flesh, making a heart be of stone go to flesh. Yes. Actually be able to receive the Lord. The invisible God making himself known is the theme of all scripture. Yeah. Let the grace of all graces is that we would know the living God. And those who are hardened are those who could look on the things of God, which are all around us, always being revealed, as in Romans 1, that those who see and acknowledge Him as who He really is are those who have been softened by His grace yeah. to make Himself known. But those yeah. who stand there and look at ten times the plagues, as He said, at all those revelations that come through the prophet, yeah. can stare full face into the face of what God is doing and still say, I deny you. Yes. That's, that's, that's true. The definition. That's yes. the characteristic of a hard heart. Yes. By the way, I won't let you go and make Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and, and here's the thing. God, God moves in that. For, I like the word spectacle. God moves there for the spectacle of it. And that like, like look, at, look at what he says, um, at, at what he says here. Um, let's see. Oh, it's back in, it's back in, he, let me look at it here. I'll have to find the particular text. I've got a bunch of uh, a bunch of highlights. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, verse. Let me read. Let me read this. Let me read this real quick. Verse sixteen of 
chapter 9 of, of Exodus. But for this purpose I've raised you up, to show my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. God raises, like, the kingdom of Egypt is in history what it is for the purpose of God displaying Himself and His work in it. And the spectacle you're talking about is, is a spectacle from both sides. It's a spectacle yes. to prove that evil gets what's coming. Yes. And, and, if, and if you're on God's side, this is what God will do for you if you trust Him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I know they, I'm sure they were afraid. I would have been. Yeah. But then to stand there and watch God drown all those people on their behalf, but also taking care of the evil on the other side. Yeah. And what do they do? Like, it's, it's like, like no time in Scripture and Israel showing who they are without Christ. Like, who they, who they are, right? Like, there is, so I, I want to re, read this. Um, we're going to come back. We're going to come back to this. I just want to point it out so that it's in your mind, and then next next time we get together, we'll we'll dig in a bit more. Um, so after this, in in chapter nine of Romans, where he says in verse eighteen, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. The next verse, Paul knows the thought that comes from this. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? <clears throat> and and this is where I say he has like no patience for this. He says, um, "But who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will that that is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use?" So, is this is dealing with the potter's freedom here? Right? Is he not free to make from the same lump? Now, I want I want us to think about this because when we think about this vessel for like his glory, vessel for his wrath type thing, when we think about this, we think about that lump of clay in a in a like tabula rasa sense. That that this is like a good piece of clay. That is not the state of humanity. When he makes one for righteous and one for wrath, both come from the same lump that is fallen humanity. He is not working from good, making one evil then, making another good from good. He's making good from the worst. Like if you went to buy clay, we are not the type of clay that you make anything worth anything out of. And yet He does. So let's not think that He's taking some like, oh, they're headed on the good path, and then He's like, no, I'm going to make you for trash, and I'm going to make you for glory, as though He's doing wrong by the lump of clay. That is, that is not what's taking place um, in this text. So um, we will we're probably... I ran over sorry Dustin uh, <laughs> we'll stop there